Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Eating Crow with Pete Durand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Eating Crow. I have Matt Wells on the program today. Matt is coming to us live from, looks like, the uh, Thunderdome. <laughs> yes, it's certainly the sound of thunder in here often enough. <laughs> Where kids get rambunctious. You're in the middle of it, aren't you? It's my office slash second playroom, which don't get me started on that. The fact that there's two players in my house is my own battle, but uh, yes. <laughs> so Matt, we're going to touch on a couple of different things in your background. First of all, the following you've built with basic dad stuff. We're going to talk about what inspired that, where you see it headed. We'll talk a little bit about how you tie your mission in, in selling copiers, but it's not about selling copiers. It's about helping customers. That seems to be something you talk about quite frequently. And the fact that you're pretty good on camera, buddy. <laughs> I try my best. You do. So you got a degree in sports management. Correct. What was the thought there? What were you going to go do? Run an NFL football team or what was the plan? You know, I didn't at the time really know. I had like all these different uh, choose your own adventure roads in mind. It could have been going the, the area of, hey, do I want to chart, possibly pursue the idea of law school and be the next Jerry Maguire? Oh, do I want to go and, you know, go down the road of maybe becoming an athletic director somewhere? Or I even got into the point where I was, uh, I did an internship at Florida State with the strength and conditioning team on the football and baseball team. So I worked with the athletes there for about a year. And I uh, thought maybe I want to be a strength and conditioning coach. And I think that's probably the one that I enjoyed the most of the different options in the sports industry. But I didn't go that route because of the time spent. And as has probably been, uh, you know, you can deduce, I'm a very big family guy. I love being with my family. Yeah. And those gentlemen, as awesome as they are, they are on the road all the time. They're out the door at six in the morning. They don't get home till seven o'clock at night. And that just wasn't ideal for a family life. So as much as I loved helping athletes and training athletes, uh, I just for my own future, decided not to go down that road. Pretty thoughtful for a kid your age, right? And a lot of people don't realize that until they get into it and go, holy cow. I've got a very good friend who's a pro baseball player, and you're right, even on home games when he's in town, he doesn't get home until 10 o'clock at night, and he's not even pitching. Yeah, it's wild. How, and and that's, not even, that's just the week. Not, not to speak about the fact that you're also traveling with the, week, you know, the team on the weekends and they go out of town and stuff. You're gone for those as well. I was the oldest of four kids growing up and I grew up with a very, very tight family. So I already knew early on that I wanted to be able to emulate that in my own life. I didn't know if I wanted to have four kids or two kids or whatever, but I knew at one point when I had a family and settled down, I wanted to be able to have the same kind of family environment that I grew up in. So You portray a lot of the less glamorous side of being a, a, a parent. Right. The duct tape diapers, <laughs> the real side of things, the, yeah, the, the real uh, side of things, the, the kids crawling across the bathroom floor when you're sitting down the toilet. Yeah. yeah. Those are great moments though. Right. Aren't they? <laughs> so you mentioned you grew up with a, uh, did you have three siblings? Yeah. Three yeah. siblings. I was the oldest of four. I have two little sisters and one younger brother. And we're all like two years apart. It was me, then two years, then two years, then two mm-hmm. years. Are they all still around where you are? Do you see them much? They're all in Florida. Well, almost all in Florida. They're all within five hours from my parents. So we do still get together every Christmas. We get together probably once another another time of year. We get together for the most part, all of us. So we can see each other as often as we can. Your parents are both still healthy, vibrant? Definitely. So my parents are still in love like they were in high school. Great picture of what you what I want to you know be in my marriage for the most part. Not perfect, but very close mm-hmm. to that. 
my dad is still working. My mom is healthy for the most part. She's having some memory issues here recently, the last year or so, but thankfully it seems to be very slowly progressing. So healthy physically, I mean, very, very physically healthy. Sure. Well, there had to be something that inspired a, the roots for how you develop basic dad stuff. But when did you decide for the very first time to press record? I would say that me recording dumb videos goes back way further than what LinkedIn has access to. So, I mean, most okay. of it's just recording stuff around the house back when we didn't have any kids and recording you know, us training our dog at the time. We had a golden retriever named Noel, who I loved training, spent a ton of time because at the time she was our kid. We didn't have right. children, so she was the child, you know? So we spent a lot of time training her. And I spent a lot of time recording those things and sharing those things with family on YouTube and stuff. And then just making dumb videos of myself because I'm just a big goofball, as people can probably you know, ascertain for themselves. But back when I got on the LinkedIn and got active, there was not a lot of video content like you see right now. There were a few people that were doing it, but I saw a few funny things in there. I thought, I could do some funny videos and I've done funny stuff before. So I started recording some things here and there. I hadn't started basic dad stuff, any of the really creative business niche videos I'd done yet, but I did some stuff like, uh, you know, the... The 10 different kinds of sales reps for, or, you know, windshield warriors where I recorded what people do in their cars or people are, you know, on the road all the time. And I recorded my first, I think, funny video like that. It did pretty well. I did like, you know, a day in the life working at home. It was like a two or three minute video of what that looks like working at home, which got a lot of reactions for a guy who wasn't very active on LinkedIn at the time. When I really got into it was when I stumbled upon Patrick McNamara and saw his basic dude stuff video on like week two of doing it. First of all, I thought, man, this guy is awesome. I love the way he talks about things. I, I love what he's all about. And also reminded me in a sense of myself, just with his inflection and his, his personality. I like, I kind of feel like I'm looking at me in some aspects. I'm no, and no way am I like the, the military awesome freaking guy that he is. But I saw a lot of myself in him and I reached out to him and said, hey, man, I got an idea for a spoof doing basic dude stuff, but just basic dad stuff. I would never do that without you know your thumbs up and giving you credit for it. And he just responded back with a thumbs up. So like, all right, cool. So I tried, I just did one. It just, I mean, my whole intention was to do one spoof video. I did it. It got a great reaction on LinkedIn and my kids got a kick out of it also. So like, all right, I'll do another one. And it just turned into, okay, I'll do it again. And I'll do it again because the kids were having fun with it and people were enjoying it on LinkedIn. And it just snowballed from there. You know, I picked up steam. I kept doing it. And now I'm, you know, 101 weeks straight of doing basic dad stuff. And, and it's become a big part of my life, really, and truly a big part of who I am as a person. From the outside in, people looking at me and even in the house, you know, as far as my kids are concerned and us walking around and doing stupid things that we use for videos. So almost two years of this, how many followers have you built uh, on LinkedIn as a result? <sighs> I think when I first started doing video stuff on LinkedIn, I probably had just over a thousand followers or a thousand connections, you should say. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting at like 10, five, 10,500 right now. So I'm by no means am I like a big hitter on LinkedIn sure. with a massive, gigantic following. But it, you know, it's, it's done really well for me. And I enjoy the engagement and the interaction on LinkedIn significantly. I mean, I've got other platforms also, but I think anybody can attest to the fact that if you do a lot of LinkedIn, the type of engagement and the authenticity of those relationships you build on LinkedIn are just so much above and beyond what you get from other platforms. And that's what I've always loved about it. Agreed. And and one of the reasons that I was drawn to your content and wanted to reach out and ask you to do this is you don't shy away from your beliefs. Kind of walk up to the line. You don't shove in people's faces. You're not asking them to buy into your beliefs, but you don't back off of it, right? This is who I am. This is how I, you know, and a couple of posts got pretty pointed. So When you put those out there and, and someone kind of reaches through a comment and punches you in the face and says, you're an idiot, how do you absorb that? 
I'll say this. I'm very fortunate in the sense that for almost two years of being really active on LinkedIn, or more than two years of being really active, I've had very, very little of that type of interaction. Very few people have come at me like a troll and had negative things to say. There's been a few of them, but really and truly not many people. I mean, what I've always loved is even if I don't get a lot of reactions to something, the people that comment, comment with like, they type a paragraph out. It's not like, Hey, thanks for sharing or Hey, great pose. It's like, they have it. They tell me a story in their comment, you know? So, but for the people, the very, very few and far between red herring that comes out of left field and and gives me some kind of negative comment. I typically respond in in grace as best I can and, Mm -hmm. and shrug it off, let it roll off my shoulder because I've got too much to be thankful for and too much to be appreciative to let some, you know, one bad comment bother me. Well, first of all, it's good to hear that people are being gracious and that you're resonating. It's interesting. There are very few people on LinkedIn that can pull off two personalities, right? You got, Mm -hmm. you have basic dad stuff, but you still have the, what I'll call the hilarious videos about your day job, right? Selling copiers, making that funny is awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's like watching an episode, you know, the office or, or something similar to that, right? How are your teammates and your fellow employees reacted to some of those videos? Do they look at you and go, oh, great. Another Matt video. They're like, yeah, when's another one coming out? Most people get a kick out of them. Like when we, the last time we had an annual kickoff meeting, which was pre pandemic. So, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't done it since then due to the world. But several people will come up and be like, oh, man, I, I love your videos on LinkedIn. This is so much fun to watch. You see what you put out on here. And let, let's be real, man. I mean, I don't just sell copies, I sell solutions and software and stuff too. Mm-hmm. But primarily, I work for, you know, a copier company. And there's nothing sexy or glamorous about selling copy machines. So, my thought process has always been, okay, well, I don't want to just be a sales rep. You know, I want, I want mm-hmm. to be somebody who stands out, who does it a bit differently and who brings some fun to it. So when I started making videos that align with my role, that was the goal is, hey, how can I make copiers fun? How can I make, you know, technology and document technology entertaining or funny? And so that's what I set out to do. And I haven't done a ton of those videos, but I've done enough of them. They've done really well and people do get a kick out of them. And they're all, you know, double-edged sword or I guess two birds, one stone besides using them on LinkedIn for reaching people there. They're also great videos to share on YouTube, you know, through prospecting emails, trying to have some creative outreach to people that I'm trying to work with. They've been a lot of fun. And I think the response I've gotten from people I work with has been primarily positive. There was a point I did worry early on. I wondered for a long time, is anybody from my company, is management or the president, anybody going to come at me and say, hey, Matt, we see what you're doing. You know, we appreciate what you're doing, but could you tone it down a notch, you know, because it's not very quote unquote professional. That's never happened. I mean, I've never gotten that from anybody. I will be honest and say there were three or four months ago, there were two posts that I put up. They weren't videos, but it's the first time I've ever had my company ask me to take posts down. Like you said earlier, I'm very solid in my convictions and where I stand on stuff. And I almost wanted to like dig my feet in and say, no, I was like, yeah, it wasn't matter. It's two posts on LinkedIn. One of them, I just modified it a little bit. So it was okay. And the other Mm -hmm. one I deleted. Yeah. But other than that, I've never had any kickback or pushback from my company on anything. Well, two things. That means people are paying attention, right? True. So they're following them and they're reading them. So they're obviously indicated to you that they'll raise their flag if they feel like something's, you know, gotten out of whack. Yeah. I had a conversation today actually with uh, with Ravi, Ravi Rajani. Ravi, mm-hmm. Ravi, 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 love Ravi. Shout out, love shout out to Ravi if you're listening, man. You're the man. He is the man. You today, we are talking about the impact of personal brand. Okay. And I put a comment on another post on LinkedIn where somebody was talking about personal brands and how companies that don't welcome it are behind. They're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. And I made a quote, which I'm going, to, I'm going to officially take credit for right now. And the quote Fair was, enough. a personal brand is the rising tide that floats all ships, which is the company brand. So if all your employees can develop a personal brand, it will float your corporate brand into higher levels. I like it. 
and it, it goes just what you're doing, right? If I'm looking for a document management solution, right? If I'm trying to figure out, I, I, I have a business that has to make copies or manage a lot of different documents or different types of solutions. I come across one of your videos, I guarantee you, I'm calling you, right? I'm going to say, that guy's going to come to the table with something creative. He's energetic. He's going to, he's three of his videos were all about taking care of the customer. That's the kind of person we want on our team. And by the way, you just built your own personal brand doing that. Yeah. That was a side effect. You know, it wasn't even really intentional. It just happened as a consequence of continuing to do what I was doing and think, hey, I want people to do exactly what you just said. I want them to say, hey, in an average business day in any business, salespeople walk through the door all day long. And I know as the person at the front desk, it's got to get so annoying to have to be the gatekeeper for sales rep after sales rep after sales rep. And for all kinds of different industries and companies, people being one of them. So the idea is always, okay, what can I do to be different? How can I disrupt the pattern of what they see, you know? And so I try to do sure. things that are different. Uh, so there's things I've had in mind to do that I haven't even done yet, but there's, and I won't put them out there because they're, they're mine and I'm not going to share them with the Heck world. Yeah, don't, man. But, uh, but, you know, different things to do that just stand out and are unexpected. Mm-hmm. And if it's unexpected, it throws people off guard and they stop and pause for a second and they might think for a second or scratch their head. And you're going to get so much farther doing that and building that brand. And then that's exactly it. If, if they have a stack of business cards and it comes to the point, they're at the end of a contract. They need to get a new contract on their technology or their copiers. And they've got a stack of six or seven cards. I'm hoping that the one that looks a lot different, and a lot more fun with a QR code that goes to a really fun interactive video mm-hmm. is when they go, you know what? <laughs> I like this guy. I like the way this guy works and thinks and operates. And then ideally they're going to turn to me. That's no question. Now, when you think about managing basic dad stuff, managing your day job, you know, hurting the minions, as you describe, you've got, you've yes. got this crew around you. How do you find time? You did this, was it 45 day hard or something like that? What is 75 hard. 75 day hard. Yeah, 75 hard. So walk us through how you keep yourself together, both mentally and physically, with all the different balls you're juggling. How do you prioritize it? How do you balance your faith, your family, your fitness, all those things? The faith, family, fitness, you hit it right. It's faith, family, fitness, finance. There's, they're all F's that matter to me. Yeah. Firearms, all kinds of stuff. They, they all happen to start with an F by just some sheer coincidence. But faith is always first. First mm-hmm. and foremost, my faith in God comes before anything else. Family is right behind that, you know, making mm-hmm. sure that, uh, that, that my wife and I are as much as we can be united and unified and in, in, in a common front. You know, we're giving our children as much love as we possibly can, as many ways as we can. And it's never perfect. It's never, you know, the way we envision it being in a perfect world, but we're certainly trying. I'm a person who I know myself, I've learned myself, and I do not do very well with all things in moderation. All things in moderation is great if you can do it. I've just gotten to know myself well enough to know that I don't do very well with moderation. I do great until I cheat a little bit. And then when I cheat, I splurge and I'm off the, ba- I'm off the wagon. So I said, you know, for me, it's got to be all or nothing, either balls to the wall or don't even bother. So I'd been wanting to do 75 hard for a long time, but I just wasn't really, really if, sure if I was ready to undertake that kind of a task. So one day I just made a decision, you know what, I'm going to do this, but if I'm going to do it, I need to have you know, some people do it with me just to, to push, to egg me on. I can egg them on. I can help motivate them. They can motivate, motivate me. We're going to do it as a group and as a team. So I extended the invite on LinkedIn and on Facebook. I got a good handful of people who are like, yeah, man, I've been wanting to do this for a long time also. And it worked out. So I had a Facebook page we all went to. I put a lot of videos on there that never went to LinkedIn or anything like that, but uh, just trying to motivate each other. And quite a few people were able to complete the program. I had to go through it twice because the first time I was doing it, I got to day 59 feeling amazing, having an awesome experience. And I hurt my back doing squats. So I had to stop and 
heal up before I started again. But how do you find the time? Uh, how do I balance it all? I get up early. I go to bed late. <laughs> if I have a vice, well, I probably have a million vices, but one vice I will say is that I probably don't get enough sleep. I know we hear all the time about how important sleep is. I sure. don't sleep as much as I should, but I probably sleep five to six hours a night because I go to bed pretty late and I get up, you know, generally on a good day around five o'clock, I get up and I get my day started then early with, you know, a quiet time and in, in, in the Bible and some, some devotion time, Yep, go straight from there into a workout get back. I'm still home early enough that I can get showered up and be there for the early morning time with the kids, helping get them ready before going to work. Yep. The, the morning shuffle, the morning hustle of craziness that it is. I get to work. I spend my time there. I don't go eat lunch. My lunchtime is the gym. So when people are going out to restaurants or doing whatever, I hit the gym and get my, my workout in. And so I inflate my body is, is during lunchtime. And then I'm back to work. And when I get home from the evening or for the evening around 5 to 5.30, I'm home and I'm turned right. off. You know, I'm not doing any work. Every once in a while, depending on something, I'll do some work late at night. But sure. that's when I have time with kids. That's when it gets crazy. So I need to have time with kids or I need to be there to help my wife because we couldn't do it solo. We definitely need to be tag teaming these kids all, all day long. Sure. But everything else just gets crammed into the evening, which is why I go to bed late and don't get enough sleep. You got four. They're all four different, right? Yes, all four are very different. I mean, people always tell you every kid's different. And that really, I mean, you see that all the time in any kids you have, but I see it even more so with the twins because when you have two at the same age, they going through the same exact stuff, then you really recognize it because you're going, wow, they're, they're raised in the same room, even. They sleep in the same room. <laughs> yeah. They slept in the same crib for a long time. That, and they're still so very different. One is the, uh, one is the crazy, chaotic, stumbling, clumsy kid that makes a mess. The other kid is kind of the, the general who's uh, the boss and, and tattletales. And no, 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 you don't do that. You can literally see him wave his finger sometimes because he's copying what he sees mommy and daddy do. But they're so very different. One eats a ton. He just, Caleb, one of the twins, one of the giant slayers, he eats as much as all three of the other kids combined, really and truly. And he's two and a half. And he eats as much as, if not more, than the other three. So they're very different. All of them have their own unique beautiful things, their own unique idiosyncrasies. They're just very different in lots of different ways. How have you adapted your parenting methodology for the different kids? And, and the analogy I'll use is, you know, I, I work with, I've worked with hundreds of different people in my career. I can't communicate with any one of them the same. I had moments with all of my kids where I realized this worked for this one, but it doesn't work for this one. Have you guys, you and your wife come across similar things? You know, I think that is an area that we are still refining and learning. Kids are all still pretty young. Yeah. I know that I got 10, five, and two. So 10, 10 year old daughter, five year old son, and twin two year olds. Mm -hmm. And iron sharpening iron. We're still trying to figure out what works best for each of them. We're learning more about uh, our, you know, our five year old and seeing some of the things we might have to work with on him to mm -hmm. differently with Gracie or the twins that we're still figuring that out. So I don't have a great answer other than the fact that that's something we're recognizing and knowing about ourselves that we have to figure out what does work best for each of them. There are definitely different strategies that can work better for each one because they have their own things there, whether it's, you know, frustration or anger or being timid or whatever, they all have their own ways and their own personality traits. The fact that you're already there, the fact that you already realize that, that's all, that's half the battle right there. I think I probably had that revelation when my oldest son uh, was a freshman in high school. Laziness and dishonesty are two of my hot buttons. He pressed the lazy button pretty hard one day with me, and uh, I unleashed a verbal tirade, and, it, and he just looked at me like, like I could tell it wasn't registering. He was high school then, you said? Yeah, 14, right? Okay. You had a, a really great post the other day about how showing affection with your spouse is still a good idea, even though a lot of people yeah. pish pot, right? Really? I made a long comment on there that turned out it was supposed to be like two, two lines. I think it'd be like three paragraphs, but... 
I thought it was a great post, right? And there's so many things you can take away from that. Kids need to see love. Mm-hmm. They, they need to see it in practice. They need to understand what it looks like, or they won't know what it looks like. They need to see love. They need to know that when there are problems, they need to know that they can be resolved peaceably as well. You know, 100%. That's a big part. When the love isn't there, how do mom and dad interact when, when they're not on fire and feeling a lot of passion? What do they do to overcome those times and those obstacles? When you think about basic dad stuff, where does it go from here? Episode 200 and beyond, or what do you think? <laughs> Man, I've been, that's been like stewing in my mind for such a long time. So one thing, I do have a copyright that I've applied for so I can copyright it and say, or, you know, it's, it's my thing. But I've been trying to decide for a long time how I want to do things. Because one thing I don't have a lot of, as you can imagine, is time, free time. Mm-hmm. You make time for the things that matter to you, which is why you know, I've never been able to really buy into the excuse for people to say, I don't have time to get healthy, or I don't have time to do that because you have time to get that done. And it's like I can get 75 hard done with four kids and a job. You have time. If you want to do something, you will make time for it. You make time for things that matter. I've thought for a long time that the basic dad stuff could stem into whether it's, whether it's you know, a series of short books or some kind of a, I don't want to call it a side hustle, but you know, just working with our fathers, working with other dads to try to coach them or inspire them or encourage them in certain aspects of their lives. And I've been working on something of that nature for a while, but I, I haven't given it the time and attention it really needs to, to bloom into what I want it to bloom into. I have a passion for being a dad. I love being a dad. And it kills me when I don't do a great job at it. Like I tell you, you talk about imposter syndrome. It's a buzzword you've seen a lot over the last couple of years. Imposter syndrome is something that hits a lot of us. But man, I talk. I feel so bad all the time because I feel like I'm messing up. I feel like I'm failing because I know I'm doing so many things right. But when I do something wrong, it really eats at me, you mm-hmm. know, and it bothers me. So I know if it bothers me, it's got to bother everybody else out there who's having the same issues and problems. So I'd love to be able to help other ga- other dads and other men work through those things for themselves and put some tools in their hands to help them do better. Well, you said a couple of important things there. And the first one is, if it bothers you, that means you're aware of it. Then how do you adjust, you know, what's going on in your life to make sure you can correct it? And you made a couple other good points. If you value being a dad, then you have to adjust your time and your commitments and your energy to be being a dad, right? And other people don't necessarily think that. And I've got to go make a million dollars. I've got to get in a better house, better car. And if you asked your kids at that particular point in their lives, they go, no, I just wanted you around. And you don't realize it until it's too late. I think when people watch your videos, they come away with a couple different things. A lot of them just go, oh, thank God somebody else is dealing with that. (laughs) I'm not alone. I've had those days. I get it. I'm not the only one living in a tornado of chaos all day. Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, and it's good to see that they know you and your wife both work and that somehow you guys keep it all together. And and that means there's going to be chaos. It doesn't have to be perfect. And kids, by the way, thrive with a little bit of the unexpected, the unknown. They need that. I like that. That spontaneousness that you guys always do with your kids is wonderful. So Matt, you know, when I think about the personal brand you built with the videos and the copier side, the brand you built with basic dad stuff, what advice do you have for anybody on how you approach when you look at LinkedIn? I don't get the impression based on your earlier comments that you wake up every day and check it to see how many additional connections you have. There was a time that I did. And I think that I got over a hump probably about a year ago. I think it was like end of 2020, beginning of 2021. If anybody who dives into LinkedIn or Instagram or any platform of social media, it's hard not to get sucked in to the, the likes and the reactions and start judging yourself based off of that. And part of the opening, eye-opening experience of that for me was seeing my daughter do some stuff on, on social media 
and seeing how overcome she could be with whether she was getting likes, reactions, and me telling her, sweetheart, that's not, you know, we're doing this just for fun. This is meant to be fun. It's a creative outlet. That's all it's about. It doesn't matter what the people think about that. And it's one of those things, you know, you practice what you preach, right? Do as I say, not as I do. Or do as I do, not as I say. And here I am doing LinkedIn videos and stuff. And I would get bothered by the fact that yeah. I did a video and didn't get a lot of reaction, didn't get a whole lot of reach, didn't generate a whole lot of comments. And between me having a little bit of an epiphany through seeing my daughter go through that, and then also having some good friends on LinkedIn uh, that, that I talk with a lot who, who basically, not, not coached, but just said, hey man, who cares? Who cares? Right. You know, we're doing this for fun. This is because we enjoy it because we're making great relationships out of this. And it doesn't matter if you don't get reactions. I'm not generating any income off of the basic dad stuff. It's more of just me doing it as a, as a passion, a passion sure. project to help encourage other guys because it's fun for the family. So there came a point where in 2020, it's like, you know, or 2021, like, I'm, I'm not going to care anymore. I just decided. I just kind of turned a button off. I'm not going to care. If a post does great, awesome. If it doesn't, who cares? I had fun making it. I had fun typing up the post or whatever it is and just really letting go of that. And I, there's so much more peace in posting something when the intention is not to get 100 or 200, 300 likes and a bunch of comments and to get people sending you personal messages about it because you release yourself of that anxiety and that concern. It's just about posting it. And if people like it, great. If they don't, so what? Move on. Tomorrow we'll do something different. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly right. And I think you've clearly identified that basic dad stuff is a personal passion. You're trying to help people. And that's not about likes. It's about truly maybe reaching two dads that day. Yeah. That go, wow. I- I can do this. Matt can sure. do it. I can get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I can't tell you how much it means to me. And I, it's happened a lot since I started doing this, that I'll get a you know a direct message from somebody that's not a personal, not a comment on the post, but a message from somebody saying, hey man, it's going through a tough time. This video really hit home today. It made me smile, you know, and just something like that. It goes a long way to just, for me, reaffirms what I'm doing and the fact that I'm doing it. You know, I mean, yeah. like most men, my love languages are, are words of affirmation and physical touch. I think most guys are that way. Yeah. And when I hear people telling me that a post or a comment or whatever made a difference and it inspired them or it encouraged them or it boosted their spirits on a tough day, there's no better feeling than that. You know, that's like, you know what? I don't have to make money off of this. That for me tells me that I'm doing something right and it's helping somebody. You mentioned the deeper connections you've made with people on LinkedIn. I would agree. You know, for me, this podcast is an outlet for the great people I feel and that I follow on LinkedIn and a great way to talk to them and share what I like about them with other people. Yeah. Because most of them have a story. You know, they have a story about how they got to where they got to and what drives them. And, and sometimes pulling that out is important. So I appreciate you uh, letting us chat with you before it gets crazy there. You guys <laughs> shift into the evening routine. Yep. Comes here pretty quickly. I'm surprised that nobody busts through that door where we're talking, man. Usually, it usually happens when we do one of these kind of things. I will, let me say one more thing, man, because you know, the title of the show is, is eating crow and you can't have a show about eating crow without talking about a failure or eating a little bit of crow. So for me personally, I've kind of touched on it already, but you know, like I said, one thing I do in a lot of my posts, I try to say it as often as I can for people who haven't seen it before is that when I post stuff on LinkedIn and you know, it's all Kodak moments, like you said earlier, yeah, I don't just show the high points. I also show the frustrations of parenting too, but it looks like I'm doing a phenomenal job. Like, look at this guy, look at this dad. He's got it all figured out which couldn't be further from the truth, you know? So as far as eating crow, I eat crow 
all the time. Like I said, I have a temper and patience issues and I'm working on that every day. You know, when I post stuff on LinkedIn and I post these encouraging posts and comments and likes and videos and whatever, that is for me. You know, I post that yes to encourage and inspire other guys and other men and fathers out there, but I also post it and I go back and I reread it for myself and watch for myself. So because it's speaking to myself, because I need to hear these words as much as anybody else does, because I've raised my voice too often with my kids. It's not easy. I mean, anybody who's got kids knows it's not easy. When there's four of them, it seems like it's even less easy. But the work in progress and you know, a big thing about eating crow with your kids is you go back to your kids. If you mess up and you you screw up and you fly off the hat for a reason that wasn't justified or whatever, going back to your kids and just owning that, you know, yeah. owning it. Like Jocko says, extreme ownership, own everything and being able to go back mm-hmm. and talk to your kids and let them know, listen, later today. I shouldn't have yelled at you. I'm really sorry that that happened. You know, I, I lost my temper. Things got a little hot. Just being able to own those things. And I think for kids, it means a lot for them to hear that. And to also, like you said, know that this is what, this is what it looks like. This is what it's supposed to look like that, you know, if you do mm-hmm. mess up, you can accept responsibility for that mistake. So as a dad, I mess up as often as anybody else, if not more. And the posts that I put on LinkedIn are trying to inspire myself and encourage myself as much as they are for anyone out there that gets a chance to watch them and see them and feel some kind of inspiration in them. So that's my crow eating for the day. That's a great way to wrap things up, Matt. You're right. I think um, every day is a, a bit of a challenge and every day has highs and lows. But if you own it and your kids know that you own it, it's a great message, it's a great lesson for them as well. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. We're going to reconnect in a year. I want to see episode 200. <laughs> By the way, the, your actor, your, your supporting cast is going to get taller. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting taller. They're going to start asking for, for money sooner or later too. Exactly. You know? exactly. exactly. <laughs> you have to have credits at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. But it's been great. I appreciate it. hope you guys have a great uh, holiday season and uh, we'll be touching base in 2022, buddy. Sounds great, man. Happy holidays to you too, brother. You too. Thanks for checking out Eating Crow. Like and subscribe so you never miss a video.